You're watching Two on One, the Internet's Top Sensation, uh, where two disciples theologians speak to a theologian of their choosing on the topic of their choosing, based on, of course, the intersections of theology, pop culture, and uh, as time allows. I'm one of your co-hosts, the Reverend Arthur Stewart. I like that you would explain the concept of this show after 100 episodes. Well done. Um, uh, yeah, I, I rely on you for everything because I am your other co-host, the Reverend Stephanie Kendall, who does not have all of this together. Arthur keeps this show running, y'all. So every every episode has the potential to be somebody's first episode and somebody's favorite episode. And Listen, I don't want to leave any deuces behind. I love that. That's a good practice for the church because I talk about this often, right? Like what insider language are we using? So I appreciate that you hold us to explaining and uh, introducing and welcoming new deuces. Well, you know, RDW and CYF are going to be having an FF dinner uh, on Friday. So make sure you call the church office at a number we're not going to give you to RSVP. (laughs) Or turn your attention to this night or tonight's biggest episode of... Whatever we're watching today happens to be The Simpsons, which I was really excited to watch. Uh, I'm so glad that we've burst The Simpsons bubble and we've finally broken through this barrier. I'm excited to have this conversation. I have a whole lot of feelings and a whole lot of thoughts, uh, and I'm going to turn those into actions. But hey, before we get into really good storytelling, because The Simpsons for 30 years has been really intentionally um, somewhat engaging the culture. I have opinions after season eight, Um, but... If you want to talk about longevity, quality, and uh, community, look no further than Jeff Onerow Designs. Ooh, very good. That was a great transition. Thank you. Well, (laughs) celebrating 17 years of making ordinary time extraordinary, Jeff Onerow Designs provides liturgical textiles of all varieties, shapes, sizes, denominations, and uh, I'm going to say material, too. I think he does do material. I think material is absolutely a part of the diversity that Jeff brings to his uh, products and everything in such. Uh, like you have big opinions on The Simpsons. I have big opinions on liturgical textile wear, and which is very true. And uh, all of all but like three of my stoles are of Jeff Wenro. And uh, I say this all the time. I wear my Wenro stoles. I talk about them. I need like Jeff cards now because I've like I've taken to taking pictures of the tag that's in it that says his name to give out to people when they stop me on the street and say, where did you get that stole? Um, and we and- should say that when Spiff says that she has stoles of Jeff Wenrow, she means of the house of Jeff Wenrow. They're not actually pictures of Jeff Wenrow on a stole. Side note, we're going to be at General Assembly in 2023, and I'm going to petition that we be right next to Jeff Wenrow Designs. But if not, we need to make our own stoles that are just pictures of Jeff Wenrow, except he'd probably drop us as uh, his sponsored people. <laughs> Um, no, I, yes and no, I'm here for all of that. I will be a general assembly. I've been told. Um, and, uh, I can't wait to see all of you there next July, uh, and August. It's like the cusp. Uh, you want to look your best at general assembly or before then, or after then head over to jeffwonero.com. Uh, check out the online catalog of stoles, pyramids, banners, frontals, altar accessories, liturgical face masks, uh, copes, chasubels and miters uh i really hope we can talk jeff into making us two-on-one miters uh, oh my gosh that's all i want yeah i would love that uh but you deuces know that you have the exclusive jeff one row code uh for two-on-one which is two-on-one one five so spell out two-on-one throw 15 at the end and that gets you 15 percent off your entire stole order 
That means one stole. That means five stoles. That means eight stoles. You could get stoles of the same design for every liturgical season, both Advent and not Advent, all at once, 15% off. You could also technically do eight individual orders using that code each and every time. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, you can. Or four uh, and four. Or two and two and three and one. Okay. Now we're just getting into math. And let's get out of math. Let's get out of math. And to the Simpsons. That's right. Head over to jeffwonro.com. I know you already said it, but do it one more time after the show. All right. I'm going to bring in Gris. I am so excited for this guest. This is, you know, we sometimes we have different guests that come on that are different uh, friends of ours. And this is a friend of mine that uh, I'm super excited to have on. Chris, thanks for joining us on Two on One. Thank you for having me here. I'm very, very, very excited to talk about today's topic. Uh, I am too. I, as I told Spiff, really, I, it's a gift to Arthur. It's like, yeah, exactly. Arthur, Chris, here's the gift you both needed, which was <laughs> a two-on-one show on The Simpsons. It's it's actually in my two-on-one bio where I'm like, I really want to do an episode on um, the one where it turns out Seymour Skinner isn't Seymour Skinner, and they just decide to literally railroad it out. And that's the end of the golden age of The Simpsons. But this episode is good, too. Before we get into it, Chris, who are you? What do you do? What's your context? What's your true joy in life? So I am a pastor, and Spiff and I, we met at Bright Divinity. We were seminarians together. She graduated before I did because she was much more ambitious than I was. Um, I, took I think I was just more focused to get out of Texas, to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know many people who are less or more ambitious than Stephanie Kendall. Yes, I, I would concur. Uh, I've 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 lived my entire life within about a 15 mile radius. I'm the opposite of a world traveler. I've I've lived in Fort Worth and Burleson pretty much my whole life. Um, I actually went to TCU for my undergrad as well. I was a music major there. Oh, good. And so, yes, go frogs. Exactly. Go frogs. I, I did my undergrad in classical guitar which is kind of how I found the church to begin with. Cause I was, I was, uh, my college years was my sabbatical from the church, so to speak. And, uh, the, the, after I graduated with, with a music degree, that's kind of how I found my way back into the church and, and where I started working right out of college, that, that church is the place that I'm still employed at right now. So this, this January will mark 20 years that I've been here at this church. Fantastic. So, and outside of that, I, I have a wife and two kids, and I love, love, love the outdoors. Mm. See, you're not a world traveler, but I, I always call myself an indoors kid. So we all we all got something. I know it's weird <laughs> for a nearly 40-year-old to call himself an indoors kid, but you know exactly what I'm like now. Yeah. I mean, anybody that's watched, uh, you're like, you're from Bunk Hive, uh, from anyone that's watched What Hot American Summer. Um well, Chris, I'm, I'm really excited to have you here. Uh, you know, you suggested Simpsons. Well, you first you suggested the I think you called it the the only show or the greatest show. What, what was you? And the I greatest did, show ever. Yeah, the greatest show ever. And I needed clarity. Because, like, <laughs> um, what might that be? And I feel like you really missed like you should have been texting Arthur because Arthur would have written back immediately the Simpsons. Yes. And I was like, ah. Oh, is like sons of anarchy like what what are we talking about? <laughs> so, uh for those of you who are uh 
watching along or listening along or, or playing along at home. We're talking about uh, season four, episode three, uh, Homer the Heretic of The Simpsons. It aired originally in the fall of 1992. I just want us to pause for a moment and recognize it's 30 years old. Uh, and in short, I don't think any of us like that phrase. <laughs> it is Homer Simpson uh, deciding to no longer attend church and kind of going on a walkabout, like a, a spiritual journey of self-discovery and forgive me if walkabout is an appropriative term i just realized it may be and i'm gonna walk that back uh but he he goes on a spiritual journey has a theophany makes some decisions comedy ensues yes chris tell us a little bit about why this episode why when i when given the stratosphere of the world of uh television and film you knew exactly what show and episode you wanted well simpsons the show simply because, especially if you were a child of the eighties, which of course uh, I was, you know, that, that was such, uh, it was like the, the zeitgeist for lack of a better term for that era. And, and whether you watched it or you didn't, you knew about it and, and how much it, it elicited emotion for people, either they loved it or they hated it. It was polarizing in, in many ways. And as a kid growing up watching it, I remember being one of the only kids in my school that was allowed to watch it. A lot of my fellow friends couldn't watch it, uh, but I had the blessing of a mom who was a hippie um, and and like we could watch whatever we wanted. And that was like our family show was The Simpsons. So it was really weird to me that families couldn't watch it. Uh, but then as I got older and really started to, to pay attention to what the show was doing, I thought they were they were ahead of their time in many ways. I thought they were... Uh, their their comedy was was pretty pretty smart, um, and and that just that the the different ways the different commentaries that they were kind of tapping into as things were were rolling along. I thought, man, there, there's some really cool things happening. Yet at the same time, at the very surface level, some of their comedy was just very base level stuff that was just stupid funny. And and I and I like I I have a need for both of those things in my life. <laughs> Uh, but then the, this specific episode, we're talking theology and and Hollywood. I, I this was my first thought whenever I, I was thinking the Simpsons. What episode would it be? This was my first thought because I thought it, it would open the door for some really good theological conversations, but really thinking about how the church functions and how the world views the church, and and really getting into the show almost the very first line of that episode uh, opens the door into the conversation you know uh homer's not wanting to get out of bed it's really cold outside and and marge is trying to wake him up and the first conversation she's like homer get up it's time for church and he says i don't want to go and her response is but you have to go it's church like that right there like there you could spend some time just unpacking that one i think you should i mean it's and, and, and before we do, because I, I agree that we should do in this, I do want to give just a little bit of background on this too, or, or at least the, so the Simpsons have three major issues that have occurred. Number one is that the life they present is no longer sustainable. In 1992, Homer Simpson is the only parent who works. They're able to afford a three bedroom house, uh, feed their kids. Like they're never rich. They're never well off, but they're solidly middle-class. Um, he has no skills but he still has job security and he has a union 
Uh, if anybody wants to come and do Lisa versus uh, braces or Lisa gets braces, that's also oh, that's a great episode. And there's also, as church begins on it, they're in a blizzard and the majority of people in the town still show up to the church because of a sense of obligation. Yes. That's the most shocking part in this. And, and I think that's it. It's not if you want to go, you have to go. It's church. Sorry. Yeah, I, I just, I, I think it's yeah. an important thing in there. And also Homer hasn't become a jerk ass yet. Uh, literally the phrase that is used because I like it. And Flanders isn't Flanderized. He isn't only about being weirdly religious. Okay. Yeah. The, the, but that, that opens the door into the conversation. Like you have to go it's church. And so not only does it say something about the town, about the Simpsons, but also about 1992 right. uh, and, and where, where the, the culture was at that time. Um and and how it all kind of plays out in in the in the blizzard. He doesn't want to go, and then, but also like there's this <clears throat> the uniform that he has to wear. Like she gets out his church clothes. Like these are the clothes that you only wear to church. And then when he rips them, he's like, "That's it. I'm done. I've had enough things go wrong. I'm not going." And Marge has had enough. She's like, "Okay, I'm not dealing with you. I want to take the kids and go to church." And and that that whole scene, it's 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 really funny. Whenever the the whole town's at the church, and that <laughs> the service itself is outstanding, you know, the Reverend Lovejoy and and the the reading of Lamentations, and <laughs> in his words, the long version. <laughs> the long version. <laughs> like, have y'all ever preached from Lamentations? You have. I have not. Okay. I've, I've done it. I've done it once. Uh, I have a friend who it's her favorite book, which I, and she's a hospice chaplain and That's she's right. like, it tracks. And I was like, and so I just challenged myself to one day preach from it. Cause it had not, it does not, I don't think it comes up in the lectionary. Does it? It, it, it it's not something that I had preached from before. And I was like, I want to try it. I want to learn what this, what this book has to teach me. Um, and so I, I immediately, that was the first thing that I caught on to was you know you have to have to go versus want to go all of that because in 92 I was not going to church my family were we were not church people and so uh this ob- sense of obligation to go to church was actually never instilled in me until I became a pastor and then it's like no you have to it's your job <laughs> you have to show up uh and so uh for me and I think that that is what I liked about this uh, episode a lot is that like I don't I don't believe in that I believe that it exists for people I don't believe in my por- uh, part in that of making people show up to church because for me if I have uh, given you a sense of kind of obligation and not desire to come to church then like that's on me like if you don't want to come to church that's not on you that's on me um, and I and I think that this episode holds that well. Like, what does it actually mean to want to go and belong and be a part of this beloved community? And what does it mean to not want to go, but also to let that be okay and see God at work in all sorts of different people and ways and things? Yeah. And see, I, I hear where you're coming from on it. And I will also say we've been averaging 60 people at Good Old Riverside uh, the last few weeks. On your Riverside? 80. Yesterday, Riverside Christian Church in Wichita, Kansas. And the difference between 60 people in worship and 80 people in worship is palpable. The yeah. energy is different. Um, the, the community is different. 
I have a friend right now who uh, she was like, the people still give, but they all just stream on church. And, you know, I only have a fifth of the people showing up. And I said, you have a church where nobody shows up uh, and they still give money. Let's swap. Ah, ha, 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 ha. Um, but there, there is something about it. And part of the community, you know, what's the old joke? Church is like a sewer. What you get out of it depends on what you put into it. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. Hadn't heard that one, but I mean, it, 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 it tracks. <laughs> I mean, but Chris, I mean, what, what do you think about this? Break the tie on that. Like, should, should it be a, 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 a what, where's the level of attraction? Are we obligated to go to church? See, that's the thing. I, I think there's an obligation and this is, this is kind of what I, what I, one of the things I, I love about the Simpsons is at the same time, it's still just a cartoon and they really take advantage of the fact that they're not going to be consistent across the board. And sometimes they even, and there are episodes, you know, like there's one scene, you'll see two different Homer Simpsons in the same shot just to make a joke at the fact, Hey, we're a cartoon we can kind of do whatever we want to do here. Uh, and so with, with, with this, like the, the obligation, I, I think there's an obligation. I think there should be an obligation but there's some sort of like middle ground between like the, the character that I, that I see in Homer and the character that I see in Marge is that there's an obligation <clears throat> to be a part of a community on, on the terms that, that, that make sense to you. And I think what I love about the episode is in, in some ways it does kind of mirror Homer's journey kind of mirrors the, the four years that I was in college and what I was doing is that, you know, we 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 respond in 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 polarizing ways whenever we want to rebel from something. We kind of rebel as far as we can. And so Homer, the first opportunity he's got to kind of have this uh, get out of jail free card, not have to go to church on Sunday morning. It, what does he do? He 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 kind of lays around and does nothing. Like I was trying to make a connection with like the seven deadly sins in that old tradition and see how many of those like he digs into, and he digs into like three of them right away. Um, but like, he's got this unlimited time, but what does he do with it? He, he, nothing like he does nothing, uh, which for one day, Hey, that's okay. Sometimes you need a break, right? You need a break, but then time goes on and he doesn't, he doesn't use that time. Well, he's, I think there's a, there's a power and a sense of obligation to, to be accountable to a community. So, you know what, I'm going to do something. I'm going to bring something of worth to this community for whatever reason. And it's in, and it shouldn't be based on like a a transactional thing that I'm doing this because they can then return the favor. Mm -hmm. It's just, Hey man, that's, that's how we, we engage in in life together is in a sense of, of obligation to each other. And, and, that's, so, and that's it. That's the transactional thing. And that, that's where it comes into it because I think Marge is getting something. Marge expects something out of it by attending. Yes. And worship is about, uh, worship is just about being in God's presence and actually ultimately discovering some sort of sense of the divine working in us and through us and for us. Like that's fine. Yeah. It's not to what, what does Homer say at the end? Um, you are a vengeful God. You were all smiting one, and I tell me who shall be smote, and, and it's and they will be smoten <laughs> exactly. And it's a and that's where it comes into it. It's a it, worship. If it's just going to hear, uh, by the way, um, Lovejoy is a TCU grad, they established that in like 
season 22, the Bishop visits. And he's like, when we were roommates at Texas Christian and uh, I, I've always taken that to mean bright. I'm taking it to mean bright as well. Absolutely. Um, Simpsons with the bright shout out. But to listen to Lovejoy effuse about lamentations, there's there's no there's no gospel in that. And I think gospel is found in community and gospel is found in, in relationship and gospel is found in coming together on that. It, what's the difference between Homer staying home and Homer going to church? And if they're not different, that's the problem. Yeah, and and interestingly, whenever he's going on that rant uh, in Lamentations, like the 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 Simpson family in the pew is envisioning this picture that Lovejoy is talking about hell, and they're seeing that as this wonderful escape from this church pew that they're currently sitting in, and this worship service that's just horrid, for lack of a better term. Well, and that was one of the things. So I. I, I work for the first time in a place where it snows and, and like, I did not realize that weather in this way, like affects how I lead a congregation, right? Like if it is like, it was one of the first things that I noticed again, because we weren't taught this necessarily at bright where it's like, Hey, like, you know, you're hit over the head with context matters, but we forget to say like, your context also matters in your, in both your leadership and interpretation. like. Like we do to an extent, but not in like the largest sense possible. Right. And so like the very first time I was like trying to figure out how I was going to get to work because it had been, you know, snow and icy and I was like slipping all over the place. And then like, it was just like, no, we don't expect people to come and do this. We just cancel the in-person unsafe you know, gathering and we gather online or we do something different. And so I, I like the first thing I noticed was like, oh, Lovejoy, absolutely. Like the expectation to be there is because he is expecting them to be there, be, you know, like it, with no furnace, like it's not healthy. It's not a healthy relationship that he has put out there to say like, you matter, your, your body matters, your safety matters. Also the thing that bothered me most of the entire episode and I don't know if it's maybe just because I'm a woman, but like everyone had left. Marge's car is not not starting, right. and she's just there by herself with three little kids, yeah. like in a in a in the freeze of life. And I was like, this is bad community, and like also like just a nightmare for a woman who can't turn on these. Not not that she's just a woman, but just like. Yeah. Anybody. That, was, that was the greatest condemnation of the church because that absolutely happens in congregations all the time, 1992 and 2022. It is and, absolute, worship's over. Everybody run for the doors. Get out. It's also why I make sure that I am the last one to leave unless I've assigned someone to be the last one to leave because I make sure my people get home safely yeah. because I've been that person that you know, I get in my car, I check my phone, I wait for my car to warm, you know, whatever that is. And then all of a sudden I've run out of gas because I'm dumb. And that's happened to me on more than one occasion. But <laughs> uh, I know I listen, listen, but for those of you that are watching, Arthur's giving me a face. So uh, I've never run out of gas because there's a gauge that says how much gas is left and a light that says you need. Listen, I gas. live on the edge. Uh, <laughs> um, cool. And if you're, if you're sometimes when your car freezes, that gauge does not always accurately detect how much 
gas is in your car. Yeah. Um, not that that was my excuse because this happened in Southern California, but <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna lean it. Um, but anyways, I just that was very much for me the condemnation of community of the church of like why is Marge putting in all all this time? Why is why does it matter to Marge? And honestly, I think in part it's the kids. I think that there is she is in a space where she's like I. I I feel obligatory. I'm raising these children. They need community. And I think the um, the emotional weight of parenting is mostly put on Marge. Um, and Homer is, you know, running free. I don't think that it's bad that we all take those time that time and space off. I thought it was hysterical that like the the excuse used by Homer is like, God came to me in a dream because not only is that biblically based, I mean, it's just like, he can't be like, what are you going to do? Be like, no. Okay. Like, <laughs> how do we, as, how do we as Christians reconcile things that, ha- you know, the miracles and the, the things that happen biblically? With- what, what happens if somebody walks into your office and says, God spoke to me in a dream. And exactly. uh, I'm usually curious about what God said, but yeah. I think it's uh one of that that dream that he has with God is that uh I don't know it's it's real subtle but God actually has uh five, five fingers. fingers yes yeah, five fingers what does that mean in a world where people have four fingers yeah. right 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 thank you <laughs> it's really funny that, that it plays out and and the, the the dream itself is. It's really you funny. Just, I don't. I need to like. You just made Arthur's like moment because before I, we brought you in, he was talking about the four fingers, and I was like, "Oh, this has got to be a thing." And so you just. I need to let you two rant, like just go well, on no, that. And also, why doesn't God know that the St. Louis Football Cardinals moved to Arizona? Yes, like he God. God is checked out now, and I'm saying God is a he because in in, in this episode they they've got God anthropomorphized into this 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 like i don't know father time type figure but you never see god's face you just see the beard but yeah god god does all these things there's some funny things about that dream and see how do you unpack that how much of that is like do they intend to be legitimately god appearing to homer or is god just a reflection of homer's desire playing out in the dream all of these sort of things happening. Is Homer returning the favor of Amajo Day um, and making God in his own image in order to justify his own things? Yeah, and because that's that's part of like this idea of obligation. You go to church out of obligation, or do you do you follow Homer's path? And and really, you're trying to navigate the the, the space between those two points. Uh, but with with Homer, what you see is kind of this disregard of like I no longer have this obligation. So it, I am completely alone in my universe and I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to follow my most basic immediate desire with no regard about what, how that impacts the world around me to the point that I'm going to fall asleep with a cigar in my mouth and allow it to just burn the house down around me and make everybody else have to pick me up. So it's a, and that's kind of fascinating. So it's a, I mean, Homer Simpson is a glutton. Right. I, I I don't know if you're familiar with Enneagram stuff. Homer's a seven, at least in the early seasons of The Simpsons. Yeah. We're also in the time when Simpsons meta wise, it's transitioning from a show about Bart Simpson into a story a show about Homer and Homer's adventures or misadventures. 
there was the bit where he was very much Francis of Assisi in the robe and with animals like flocking to him. And Francis is very much a seven on the Enneagram as well. And I think it's an important thing that the made up religious holiday that gets him out of going to work is the feast of maximum occupancy, which also speaks to his gluttony, which of course is also an Enneagram seven type of thing. Uh, but right. He's, he's concerned about making his own appetites fulfilled like the space waffle I might share my recipe for space waffles, by the way, because we oh, did nice. figure out how to do it. We don't wrap it around a stick of butter, but like there's a caramel sauce. There's some smokiness to it. It's really Liquid good. smoke. Um, right. <laughs> Liquid smoke. Um, <laughs> we'll put up a, a, this is, we'll put up a, 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 a recipe. A recipe. Yeah. That's, that's the word. I'm like, why a recipe? Um, Listen, I'm still kind of on Hawaiian time. Not going to lie. So no, you're in the Aloha spirit. So I guess the question is this, how do we use religion, be it organized or personal to justify our own misgivings, our own biases and our own unwillingness to see God at work? Because I, I think the whole message of this episode is that God's going to work as God is going to work. Yeah. Um, like how, how do we address like when we just you know make our own feasts of maximum occupancy and call it uh, divinely ordained? Yeah, and then the other part of that too is you know at the end at the end of that first dream, God tells Homer, "Hey, I've got to go. I need to go up here in like a what was it a tortilla or something in Mexico <laughs> or something." And and there there, how do you interpret that? Is that part of the joke? Like you know, people can say they see God anywhere or is that a way of saying, okay, God really is showing up and God's taking time to appear in this tortilla in Mexico? What, what, what do you do with that? And, and how do you navigate? Okay, this is this is what I want. This is what I, I think is right. And so I'm going to figure out how to superimpose God into my own desire. And knowing that we do that all the time. Or, and then go ahead. Oh, no, but but what happens when theophany is theophany? Like, yeah, when, it, when it, it's legit. Yeah. What if, what if God is actually speaking to someone? I had a friend who was a psych ward, uh, an ER psych. And I said, how many times did you meet Jesus Christ? And she leaned into me and she goes, Arthur, there were about eight times a night usually that people would come in having had a psychotic break and claim that they were the, the manifestation and the second coming of Jesus Christ. I said, wow, eight times a night. She was like, it was intense and severe. And she's like, and 99.98% of me knew that wasn't the case. And they were having a psychotic break and 0.02% of me thought, but what if this is a test? Yeah. <laughs> and what I like about it is she said, so therefore I treated every patient like he or she, or they were Jesus Christ. And I think about that a lot. So yeah. what if the theophany is meant to shake us up? Like what, and Lovejoy did the right thing by Homer. Lovejoy came and said, I want you to reconsider church and the community did the right thing by Homer, even though he was a selfish glutton. Yeah. And what does it mean then to say that Homer has some divinity to him, even if he's projecting his own gluttony into an image of the divine with five fingers, more fingers to grab things with. But I also think that's, that's part of the, the journey that, that so many go through <clears throat> is you, you, you grow up or at some point you find a church and it becomes something that you do, but then it becomes an obligation and then in Homer's case, what do you do? You rebel against that. Okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to do the opposite. I'm going to completely forget about everybody. And I'm only going to think about my own desire. Right. And then eventually that plays out the way that it does for Homer. And then he comes back. Now, 
that that last scene is is great because you know he's he is back at church. He's in that that front pew, front and center, and he's snoring logs in the middle of Lovejoy's sermon. But like he's he's kind of navigating that space between obligation, forget obligation, and then what do we do? We try to figure out okay, this wasn't healthy. This wasn't healthy. Where where do I exist in this in this religious space in in a, in a healthy way? I really liked that ending. I thought like, well, because this episode kind of revolves around the the connection between God and Homer, which is, uh, as we see, showing up in his dreams. For me at that last piece, I was like, oh, he's in the, why do I have to go to the building, right? He's in that building because it, it means something to be in community. It means something to his family. It means something to his community for him to physically be there. But where he has connected most frequently i guess with god has been in his dreams now i'm not saying he you know he probably just fell asleep because the joke is that he, you know he just kind of fell asleep and all of that but at the same time we can't discount that like we have now also witnessed god coming into that space through his dreams you know and in that kind of mental space for homer so it's not a completely disconnected way of experiencing god uh for homer and i i don't know i i really like that I didn't love, I both did and didn't love the way in which they, they being the writers and, uh, you know, the creators of this show in this space uh, engaged other religions. I love that he was like, when God is like, I'm going to go show up in a tortilla. I was like, cool. So we've got different cultures in which are all kind of understanding that God shows up in different ways. Like I'm taking also Lovejoy to be Protestant in some regard, like they're not Catholic. Right. And I'm assuming also you're going to, no. It's, it's probably some form of Presbyterianism uh, because of, uh, oh, I never get his name right because of Elijah Lovejoy, but Lovejoy was a Presbyterian activist in Illinois, was murdered. Uh, they, they point towards Presbyterianism, but then they later name it as like, it's a completely yoked church. It's like the Metha Presbyterian uh, <laughs> Church of America or something. Sorry. Sure. Exactly. Uh, but it's not, but you know, those in Mexico that he's showing up to are probably Catholic, right? Yeah. I mean, like, so that there's engagement, you know, like there's ecumenical engagement there. And then he goes into 7-Eleven and Apu's got uh, Ganesha. And I was like, Ooh, that was not done well. No. Um, but there was the recognition that other religions exist. And then it was like, okay, but there's, you know, 700 million of us or whatever. <laughs> like, um, good and on he, you for for coming back, but at the same time being like, I don't know. I, I it was I appreciated the ways in which both God was very expansive, and then also you still see these limitations because of contextual understanding and engagement with neighbor. Right. And, and part of it is the the nineties. I mean, it's a yeah. uh, Hank Azaria is not an uh, an an East Indian, and Hank Azaria was playing a stereotypical accent it was an indian man working in uh 7-eleven um where they just played up stereotypes and really it just gets much worse before it gets better in this coming season where hank azaria no longer voices him right um the the cheap joke of be they catholics or christians or or protestants or jews or miscellaneous (laughs) yeah which Honestly, I'm glad that he got the response of 700 million of us can't be wrong, but you you do bring up a good point. Like it, there's a lot of good in this. And then there's, there's still the edges that are very sharp and frayed. 
But that's the church. I think it, I think it, I think that's why this episode still holds, you know, we named it, it's 30 years old and it, it still holds true. We could all be like, oh gosh, yes, that is exactly, I know that church. I know that pastor. I know those people. So yeah. speaking of those people, why wasn't Flanders in church? That's a good question. I didn't notice that. He's not in that, that scene, is he? Because Ned he, Flanders yeah. runs into the house and uh, might absolute this is my definition of ministry and it always has been. I'm actually going to bring this out again. My dad's response to me when I said I'm going to seminary was to buy me the Reverend Lovejoy Simpson's playset. So thank you, dad. And I think it's all over people. Wait. <laughs> um, well, oh, I didn't mean to do that one, but when Flanders throws the mattress out the window, yeah, and then Flanders. Uh, oh Lord, make his aim or make my aim good and true. And he throws Homer out. And he immediately like starfishes back. <laughs> Flanders' prayer is <sighs> fine, and then he jumps out and like backflips back into the house to save Homer again. Yeah. It's it's that right there is ministry, and I don't care what anybody else says. That is one hundred percent what ministry is every single day. But yeah, why wasn't why why wasn't it a big deal for Flanders to take a Sunday off after they chase Homer through town singing "Rise and Shine" and give God the glory? I assumed they were a different denomination. To be really honest, I, I didn't notice that he wasn't in church, and I realized that like the point is that everyone in Springfield goes to this one church, Except but like the engagement around Homer not being in church with everyone else. And then the response of Flanders, like entire Flanders family gives, I assumed that they were a different type of. Uh, and, and they should be. Um, I'm sorry. I just, I jumped on your point. No, I just, I, as, as someone who, I will say, like, I watched maybe the first three seasons, you know, probably four seasons of The Simpsons growing up. I very much was like, I'm going to play the saxophone like Lisa. And that is how, in second grade, Spiff picked up the saxophone for two two years and then put it down. Um, but, like, it, so it's not non-influential. Like, I absolutely, like, Chris, you're totally right when you said early on, like, this is a part of the zeitgeist of who we who we are uh and it continues um but i wasn't like a big simpsonsy person um and so i just i yeah i i don't know i i think that the entire i didn't notice and i so i just assumed he was a different he felt in modern context modern 2022 context he felt evangelical flanders feels very evangelical yeah. that's and yeah. the fact that, like, not just that they showed up singing a song, like, that's not in, intentionally the one thing, but, like, that they continued singing the same song at him yeah. um, was, like, like as if this is going to work. Like, it has to. We have one tool, and here it is. And I was like, oh, God, I know those <laughs> people, too. And that whole chasing, the car chasing scene was, like, I don't know. It was like an a, an evening crime show from the late '80s. That that whole bit of him going onto the the trash heap that was that was brilliant. Um, but the, at the end, though, like what I found funny, but also I think uh, redeeming about the whole episode was that that the the truest sense of community that you got, the truest sense of ministry that you got, was not in the church, and it was not the the that experience that mortgage wasn't held by people in the church. I mean, it was this community of 
this very ecumenical gathering of people that were simply serving out of obligation, just yeah. like almost like kind of how, why Marge is going into church in the first place, but with obviously with a lot more depth to it, because I mean, they're putting their lives on the line and going out of their way to save this one person who's kind of basically been given the middle finger to all of them the whole episode. Because I, I think everybody that's in his kitchen mm-hmm. helping him at the end, at some point that in that episode, he's offended them one way or another. Yet they all come to his aid out of an obligation to each other. And so like that, you get that strong communal feel there in his kitchen as their house was just about to burn down. Well, so there's, and this might go a little further out of the episode, more into the idea of Springfield as a concept, right? So um, the Simpsons movie, we're waiting for an episode on that. Maybe Chris, you'll consider that as well. The whole concept is that the Simpsons betray Springfield. And that's the problem. Yeah. Uh, if you are in, you are in. And if you are an outsider, you probably won't stay. And there's very much an ecclesiology to that, which right. is terrifying because it is our um, it, it, loyalty becomes to what is, not what could be. Yeah. Uh, but I could be overthinking that or stepping outside of it. So what are we, what are we, well, what are we supposed to do when Homer points out, you know, well, you know, Flanders is the most faithful person he knows, right? And his house caught on fire. And then it's like, and then it goes out and you get the rainbow. And I was like, oh, that's a Noah throwback real hard. And then I thought of Arthur, who has a, a, desi- a deep gonna, desire. Chris, you can join in our conspiracy. I'm going to start breaking into churches and I'm going to start um, painting naked, dead, drowned bodies in their Noah's Ark murals in uh, nurseries. Because they missed the entire point of the story. Yeah. Sorry. A vengeful God who shall be smoking. <laughs> um, but I, 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 I turned to that and I was like, but that that whole thing is right is right there is that you can see God at work where you want to see God. You can see God at work where God is actually at work and you can see God. It, well, you can see God anywhere. And, and which is which is which is real, which isn't, and doesn't matter was really my, my thought on that, right? Like if God put out Flanders house or if the fire people put out Flanders house, doesn't matter if Flanders house gets put out. And so I was like, oh, I mean, I think that that's what this whole episode points us to, right? Is, is points you back towards community. Where do you find and how do you support and live into, into community? Yeah. And, and how you, how you, view the event mm-hmm. and how you view like so there's one way of looking at it do you want to define there, event for us no i'm just kidding so, uh, <laughs> no derrida so <laughs> exactly yeah we're gonna go down a rabbit trail no derrida uh, sorry this is this is I, for all of you out there who don't know this is that is the images of Chris's and mine's uh, like deepening of our friendship. We had class together all three years, but like Derrida is where we both like turn to each other and we're like, we're in this together. Let's get yep. through this. We have three oh, yeah. rules on this podcast. We bring up miters every week with Jeff One Row Designs. We do not censor our guests and no Derrida. I can't live by that third one. That's, nope. that's borderline blasphemous. Exactly. So exactly. But if you're, you, you look at that one scene, they're all outside looking at the house and it, and so you can you can view that that event in in that in that frame where Homer's looking at his house and it's burning down, and 
And then uh, I think it was Lisa that makes the comment that, that, that truly this was an act of God. But then some of the flame goes over to, to Flanders' house. But then God, God, the, the it, it gets put out. Mm-hmm. So you can view it in that way of <clears throat> Homer's house burned down. And yet, you know, throughout that whole episode, he, he you know, shun the church, shun different religions, all those sort of things. And so, okay. This is God's response to to blasphemy, but then you look at it from the inside when they're when the fire is put out in their inside, you you change that that frame completely from, despite the fact of of Homer's brokenness, people still come to his aid, and yeah, his house got charred more than Flanders, but he started the fire to begin with, and so there's a sense of we are going to to fall victim to some of our our own choices, like it or not, yet. Throughout that, the hope is the community, whoever's in that community is still going to rally around each other and and do the best we can to to help step in. And so two different ways of looking at that fire and Homer and and how how that plays out. Well, yeah. And I think, again, it's just as what does it mean to be called to your vocation, right? Like, and what does it mean to to be called into faith or just community. I, uh, in 2012, I went blind in an, on Easter Sunday in an in-home accident, which I had come from church, you know? So it's like the, the theophany, why do, do, why do the bad things happen to the people? You know, like I, I had come in, I was in my church clothes when this whole thing happened. And the only reason I can see today is because my doctors were Jewish. They did not see that day as a holiday and they were the number one eye surgeons in the entire world. And I just happened to be, you know, pulled into their operating room. And it's the only reason I have sight in my left eye. And so like, in the end, the fact that there are people who were not in church that day, who were not, you know, did not feel that sense of obligation to sit in a pew, but felt a sense of obligation to build and, you know, be a part of community in a larger sense. It's the only reason that the Simpsons house didn't entirely burn that, yeah. you know, uh, that uh, Homer is alive, that the cat survived, like all the things. Um, there it, and there it is too, because he wasn't saved by the fire department. He was saved by the volunteer fire department. Yeah. There's this idea that there is a vigilance and it's, it's dedication to the community and for the community by the community, rather than a, a service that is paid for with tax dollars, like a bear patrol. I don't pay the bear tax. I pay the Homer tax. That's the homeowner tax. Uh, sorry. It's a good reference to a different one. Um, oh, that's a great I, episode too. I love that. Right. Like I, we could do like 400 episodes of two on one on each episode of the Simpsons, but uh, yeah. Spiff would be miserable. <laughs> That's a different podcast that I'll let the two of you two do. Oh, okay. But within that, the volunteer thing and people who aren't in the church, what then there's this thing about evangelism that kind of like creeps in. Right. So we get uh, God said to Noah, there's going to be a floody floody. We get pastor Lovejoy making a home visit. We get, do you want to join my religion? No Homer, once a snake handler, always a snake handler, which I loved that. It's no, and he says, I was born a snake handler. I'm gonna die a snake handler. It's really funny because yes, you probably will. <laughs> that, right. that will be the thing that will kill you. And then with with Ganesh, and I mean like there are with Apu and Ganesh and Hinduism. And I what if it's as simple as saying, I found meaning in this. Do you want to be a part of it? As opposed to, well, you should come sit by me in the pew in church and freeze to death with us as we hear a long sermon about hell. Yeah. And, and, and 
And Krusty the Clown, his character really isn't evangelizing, like, hey, come join. He's just, you know, trying to gather funds to help support the, <laughs> I'm guessing has got to be a very, very small cross-section of the Jewish population that also happened to be clowns. Uh, that, that he's representing that that also died in some some unless Springfield might be in no never mind I had a joke that a friend of mine would laugh at but I don't think I can actually land it right it's a but that's brotherhood and that's community taking care of community and that's still a an invitation to participate in something that's meaningful yes also a shout out to that one guy on Twitter who doesn't think I exist because I'm a gay Christian and uh the fact that I was going to I was going to bring up the I, clown. Uh, I asked who's this clown and he replied and Spiff is like how are you replying to somebody who doesn't exist and I said I just think it's neat you can take all your Twitter Twitter followers and drive them around in one tiny car. Um which <laughs> I thought was a pretty good gag. Thank you. <laughs> it it was No, I I you know and I I like that too. Again, we touch on the different of what it means to be in community. What does it mean? You know, like, what does it mean to be faithful to something other than yourself? Which is, I really think the the point of what they're trying to make is like, be a good person and, you know, do just be your best self and do that both in local and global communities. Um, And that's maybe, so I want to circle back around to jerk ass Homer and, and forgive me listeners who may be scandalized by that phrase. That's literally how they refer to it, or they call it zombie Simpsons. Um, after about season eight and midway through season eight, arguably with uh, what is it? Erlo Tanzarian um, and Seymour Skinner's double yeah. life that they never address again. Wow. There becomes uh, Homer starts to go on steroids and just being a jerk. Um, in this episode, he's selfish, he's gluttonous, he is completely self-concerned, but he also is chased by the Flanders. He's acted upon as well as he acts upon, and he becomes a caricature of himself, as does Ned Flanders with his religiosity in later seasons, and it's almost a betrayal of the progress that could possibly be made. Um, And I think that's that maybe is a question about discipleship or accountability or transformation how do we how do we become better as individuals in community as communities in corporates in corpus in the world i think this episode itself i mean there there's there's things you can pull out of that that, that kind of go at that at that question and answer it <clears throat> I, I think that the the most basic way of answering it from my vantage point is is really trying to for, for ourselves to really expand this idea of what does it mean to be involved in, in a religious community? How do we allow for these spaces for everybody to, to figure out what, what is their space look like? Mm-hmm. What does their involvement look like? And especially now, does that mean, okay, I need to be at church physically every Sunday, or I'm going to be joining online, or you know what? I'm not going to join online on Sunday. On Tuesday evening, I'm going to watch the replay. But I'm still going to be engaged in, in, in all of us as a whole, really being okay with everybody kind of figuring out, okay, how am I going to exist in, in, the, in, in a religious community now? What's right for me? And, and at the same time, really trying to watch and, and, and hold ourselves accountable to not do what Homer does, to allow that little little crack in the door to, to eventually turn into, okay, now I'm just going to do whatever feels good in the moment. 
And, and so how do we get better is, you know, as I'm watching that episode, I'm just, I'm remembering how church used to be. And I, I guess how church maybe still is for some communities. Uh, how do we get better is, is <laughs> how do, how do we not do the service that love joy does every Sunday? I mean, you've seen, if you've seen enough episodes, you, you, you know, like that's, his model of, of the worship service is that every Sunday he's going to go down some of these passages that you, you would never preach on. There's I, it's, it's, Oh, he preaches about constancy. Um, well, and I, I, it's one of those things that I thought about, like, this is again, what pushes, I got why Homer didn't, it, you, okay, let me start that again. If you're watching the service, which is where you kind of start, right? Like, you know, why Homer does not want to go. Because it, it, it's just about how it's just the the damned, right? It is just about how, even though he's using lamentations, which poetically is destructive, but it's more about empire. Again, context. I was curious about how the old, I think it's the only scriptural reference is lamentations, right? At the very beginning, but that the Bible is not actually weaponized and used as a part of like the arsenal of getting people back into church or to do something. No, oh, no, but Lovejoy at dinner says, I'll remind Matthew. you, Matthew 7, whatever. Oh, that's right. Sand and Homer throws back, which every Bible I've ever had since then, I always highlight Matthew 21, 17. And he returned to Bethany and there he stayed there. Yeah. Think about it. Right. <laughs> but, okay, okay, fine. Okay, I'll get, uh, fine. Yes. But that's also, so the only person you're hearing really scripture from, though, is the pastor, not the entire community which in my experience has been like when people want you to do something like they weaponize and utilize the bible in a way that is like well you know you think of this but have you ever read this scripture maybe it's just me as a woman pastor i don't know that people love to question have i read this scripture to consider my thoughts and it's like uh, you know i have but uh but that wasn't happening here it's more about a, a a desire to turn towards each other not necessarily because it's scripted in this book um at least that's not for a pastor who utilizes damnation and like obligatory you know kind of uh an, an obligatory understanding of what it means to come to church and be in church like he did not hand his flock the weapon of the bible to also kind of uh, you know, call the sheep. So, yeah. And, and, the, and while they're at the dinner table, now clearly you can, you can uh, take what Lovejoy is saying with the Matthew seven passage as, you know, an encouragement for Homer to, to get back into the church, but you could also consider it another way altogether, which the scripture that he gives him was actually a pretty good scripture in light of where Homer was and, and just understanding there's a number of ways that that could play out. It could play out that, okay, because of that, if I'm going to respond to that, I, I am going to come back to church on Sunday. Or it could be, you know, in light of that scripture, maybe I'm not coming back to church on Sunday, but at the very least, I'm going to stop living my life like a glutton and I'm just chasing my own uh, desire that my I, I'm building myself on a firm foundation of understanding real community, which eventually he does experience. Whether he and Homer, you know, usually doesn't, he misses the point more often than he gets it. <clears throat> but the, I, I hadn't thought about that before, Spiff, but you're right. Like the, the Bible in this episode is not necessarily weaponized uh, in, in that way. 
Which is kind of nice. It's a good. It was just nice. I mean, I I took them as like, it's really nice when like the, the interactions about why you need to be in church are authentically because the people are better because you're there and not because let me just flap open a, you know, scripture passage. And it's like, because God says so, right. Because what God is actually saying in this episode comes from God, not necessarily through scripture, which I really appreciated, um, for, 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 you know, for an aged old white God, who's going to come down and talk, I'll take it. Um, but I was just, I don't know. I think more people would come to church. I mean, right. That's we're, as pastors, that's the age old question. How do you get more people in church? I think more people are going to come into the fold if given the opportunity to go elsewhere and we make it meaningful to be present here to say, this is, we are better because of you. You are better because of us. And it actually has nothing to do with this transactional understanding, but like, because forward together, because, you know, this is what we are called to do. Yeah. If what you're doing is meaningful and it has value mm-hmm. and it's speaking an important language that, that a person needs to hear, they're going to come. And I think that's part of what we've experienced over the last, you know, 20, 30 years since, since this episode is that, that idea of that, that Marge had, of, well, you have to go to church. You have to, is kind of a, a moving away. Well, no, well, no, I don't No, We don't have to. And so now the church has not been able to just hang their hat on people are going to come because it's an obligation. Well, guess what? It's not an obligation anymore. So that means the thing that we're doing, it it needs to have value, needs to have meaning. It can't be this thing that we do just by road. It's got to add value somehow. Absolutely. And I, I it, it all has to have value. And it, who gets to decide what that value is, is entirely different than, you know, I, at the park, we uh, identify most often as one of those justice-seeking churches, right? And so it, people, I will say we see an uptick in our attendance when big things happen in the world, like we lose, women lose rights for themselves or, you know, big leadership changes and things like that. We have people that come into our church because that is, we've made, we've set the table of welcome for them to express their, their grief, their sorrow, and to look forward towards hope. That is not true for every church. You know, sometimes if you are a church that uh, has contextualized the Bible in different ways and understands that uh, differently, you may lose people if you, you know, start to speak on it. I don't know. And so it's about that extravagant welcome and who you are. Arthur says this all the time, right? The church needs to know who it is and, and lean into that. We can't be the church for all people. Every church can't be for every single human because you then you're for nobody right. um, because you've got to make that niche. And I think that that is what we really start to see pointed back to here, right? Is that you've got to meet the needs of the homers and the marges who are living in the same house, raising the same children, but have very different uh, faith needs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, I mean, amen. <laughs> there you go. Uh, but speaking of, how we utilize the Bible or how it is and is not utilized uh, in this space. We use it every week uh, with at least our final question. Uh, Chris, it is really good to see you, my friend. And I am so grateful that you have come on. I hope that you will come back and give Arthur at least another person to talk Simpsons to. Um, (laughs) You bet. I mean, hearts Uh, has been broken at this point. This is great. 
So, <laughs> I mean, I this, yeah, this, this is this is either going to be wonderful or terrible for me as both of your friends. So, <laughs> <laughs> that, I'm it's kidding. Wonderful. It'll be wonderful for everyone. I love it. Yeah. Um, but Chris, what well, biblical uh, scene, person, character, book are you most reminded of uh, in Simpsons, Homer the Heretic? Okay, so this is a stretch. It's a stretch, but just go with me on it. Judges chapter four. It's the story of, of Deborah, the judge, uh-huh. and and how that, that narrative plays out. The 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 general of the Canaanite army, um, Sisera, he's the, he's the bad guy in the story. Um, and and actually really, really bad guy. But the the way that, that that chapter rolls out, it when I see that scene at the end of The Simpsons, and you see all of these. This this odd group of collection of people creating the victory for Homer, like that's what I see happening in, in the Deborah story with Deborah, the judge, on on one part of the Israelite world, and then Barak, the the uh, leader of the Israelite army, on the other part of the Israelite world, who's actually at the time of the story begins, he's living in a sanctuary city, so that means he's in a place for people that are hiding from the fighting, mm-hmm. and then JL who's not even an Israelite altogether. She's a Kenite. And these three people coming together, just this, this odd pairing, this odd grouping of people working together, not for any one, any one specific person's glory, but just because we, we, we've got a job to do. Let's, let's get it done. And there was throughout that whole chapter, there's never a feeling of animosity or what about me? What about me? It's just, we've got this thing to do and, and we're going to go do it. And as that episode unfolds, that's kind of how they tie a bow to this episode is this community coming together, not for any one person's glory, but because, hey, there's a thing to do. Let's go do it. So there you go. I did not think when I woke up today preparing to talk about season four, episode three of The Simpsons, that we would tie in driving a tent peg through somebody's head. But here we are. I mean... I feel like this answer for those of you that couldn't have put this together, this is why Chris and I are friends. Like that answer was, I was like, ah, oh, he's going go to jail and Deborah and judges is chef's kiss golden for this. This was, that was great. Thank you. Are, uh, Arthur, you want to go? Cause that oh, was so good. I'm going to throw out uh, Meshach, Shadrach and Abagnego and uh, the, the, yeah, the furnace. Yeah. Because the fire is perilous, but it's never really going to kill Homer. Like it's a, it's never, they never have to rebuild the house. It is a plot device. It is supposed to show the faithfulness of God. And I will absolutely say that Flanders is person number four in the furnace. Um, and that's why he wasn't in church because he was actually embodying the son of man uh, in that moment. Right. Yep. That's good too. Wow. All right. So, uh, I, I could go one of two ways. I, I was going to go as we we're talking through this. I thought burning bush and how God also in the non-consuming of the fire, the thing, the fire that did not consume, but was used to speak. I was like, there's something there. But I think I'm going to stick with my original, which is John one in in the beginning was the word, because I think that the word in which how you write this script of the Simpsons, how you write every piece of this, how you allow 
the dialogue to be so expansive of what God can and is doing and how it continues to still speak in a way that is beyond what any kind of normative definition would have uh, is laid bare here in, in Homer and God's relationship in the community building that it is so expansive and yet confined to our humanness. And so I'm, I, for me, I was like very much like, Oh, we're given the word of God made flesh in this space that was and is and always was and always is and is to come and all of that, you know, and here we go. And you never know what God is going to say to home. I've got to go, you know, show up to uh, in a tortilla. I've got to go do this and that, that what God was capable of and how God showed up was so much more than anything that we could have uh, anticipated with just a linear narrative of the work of God. What's the meaning of life? Homer, you can't know that before you die, but I want to know now. You can't wait wait six months. Can't wait six months. Uh, (laughs) Well, friends, this has been two on one uh, where we've dove deep and wide into Homer, the heretic on the Simpsons. Hey, a reminder that you can dive deep and wide into the best liturgical textiles uh, money can buy. And the world offers at jeffwonro.com, J-E-F-F-W-U-N-R-O-W.com. Use our promo code 2 on one one five at checkout for an additional 15% off your entire stole order. I guess it's not additional for 15% off your entire entire stole order. Um, we'll be back. You don't have to wait six months. We will be back next week. <laughs> yes, we will. Uh, and until then, uh, I am the Reverend Arthur Stewart. I'm the Reverend Stephanie Kendall. I'm the Reverend Chris Bohan. And the meaning of life is get more two on one at two on one project.com.